Welcome to Sports Spectrum, the sports and faith podcast that brings Jesus back into the conversation. Here's your host, Jason Romano. This episode of the Sports Spectrum podcast is brought to you by Compassion International. Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. That's the website to go to. And Compassion is the most trusted child development ministry in the world. And why is a child sponsorship through Compassion so powerful? It's because it's church-based. Compassion works exclusively through the local church and communities all over the world. It's the local church who are the heroes, not Compassion. The community can see the kingdom of God at work when the local church becomes the source of life instead of disease, hope instead of despair, when pregnant women and infants survive childbirth instead of perish and get the tools to raise children not only to survive, but to succeed and to thrive. Over 150,000 children through compassion are choosing to follow Christ just in the last year alone. And it works. It's a model that works. You'll never regret $38 a month. And like I said, the most trusted child development ministry in the world, food education, medical care, and vocational training. Make that difference today by sponsoring a child through Compassion International. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum and sponsor a child today. Today's guest on the podcast, Chicago White Sox pitcher Caleb Frere joins us here on the show. The Major League Baseball season is just underway here in early April, and Caleb is a part of that White Sox organization up with the big league club to start the 2019 season. Caleb is a native of Miles City, Montana, and he was selected in the 11th round of the 2012 MLB draft by the New York Yankees. He signed with the Yankees for going his commitment to play college baseball at the University of Utah, and it wasn't until six years later that he made his Major League Baseball debut, and that was September 2nd of 2018 with the White Sox. So much happened between the time Caleb was drafted and the time that he made his Major League Baseball debut. It's quite the story here. On this podcast, listen, we talk about his faith and we talk about his journey through baseball, growing up in Montana, not even being able to play high school baseball. His high school team didn't even offer baseball. And the whole state of Montana doesn't offer high school baseball from what Caleb says, which is interesting. But there's so much that goes on with the grind of being a minor league baseball player and what that's like. And Caleb doesn't pull any punches here. He lets it all out and lets you know that it is not a glamorous life. In his words, borderline criminal in many ways and what minor league baseball players go through. And then trials, which happen to all of us, come to Caleb in 2013 and 2014 when he goes two full seasons without pitching after suffering Tommy John surgery and blowing out his elbow. And then an accident that took place in 2014 that forced him to basically to miss that whole season as well. Just a crazy story, but a really good story. Lots of encouragement here as well from Caleb Frere, Chicago White Sox pitcher. Take a listen to his powerful story here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Caleb, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. It's it's a pleasure to be on it, and thanks for the invite. Absolutely. I'm excited to talk to you. Now, we'll be running this the second week of the baseball season, so we're taping this right before the first week of the baseball season begins. And just tell us, like, right now what life is like. You're a couple days before heading up and starting the 2019 season. You're at the tail end of spring training. Just went through basically what spring training 
is like as a big leaguer? How was camp for you? What is what is life like right now as you get ready to prepare for the season? Oh, life's great. I'm sitting out by the pool with my family. Sun's shining. It's just beautiful. I've already gone in, got my workouts in. So I just get a, you know, we're leaving in two days, so I get to go pack and just put everything together, get ready for the season. But during camp, it was a blast. You know, uh, you don't know if you're going to make the team or not. You're just competing with your friends, your teammates, trying to make each other better so you can compete with them against better competition. And camp's just been a blast. This was your first camp with the White Sox, even though you were on the team last year at the end when you made the big league, the big leagues for the first time. And then we'll talk about that story in a minute. But you were traded last year from the Yankees where you came up through their system to the White Sox. So what was that first year in a in a full camp like with the White Sox, even though you were with the team last year? It's still not the same when you're going through it. You feel like you're probably more of a part of the team this year now that you're going through a full training uh, spring training with them. What's that been like getting to know some of your teammates even on a, on a deeper level? It's, it's been awesome. It's been really relaxing just getting to know these guys. Like I got called up in September and I got traded in August. And when I got traded, some of the guys were like, who's this guy? And I felt the same way. Like, I don't know who any of you are. <laughs> sure. You know, with, with the Yankees, you get moved up. You knew at least somebody from spring training or you played with them or they had just gotten moved up. But in August, you know, I didn't know anybody, made some friends, then get moved up again didn't know anybody made more friends but then this spring training i really got to connect with guys and spend a lot of time with them you know we're at the field from like six in the morning all the way till like four in the afternoon when we play a game and so i got to spend all this time with these guys and really get to know them and spring training is really relaxed you know the guys that have made the team the veteran guys they they know they're on the team so they really try to connect with the younger guys and that's been really cool to you know get to know them at a deeper level and the guys that I do know get to know them at a deeper level because we're spending more time together. What is from a faith perspective, and we'll talk we'll talk about your testimony in a second. But just from a spring training faith perspective, is there Bible studies, chapels? Is there opportunities to connect on that level with guys as well? Yeah, we have chapel every Sunday, and it's been cool because uh, you know the rosters expanded spring training. We had sixty five guys in camp at one point, and it was cool. Like our first chapel before cuts, we had. I think it was something like 15 to 20 guys in chapel. That's great. You know, you don't get that during the season because you have 25 guys on the team. And so it was really cool being able to connect with all of those guys in chapel and, and just seeing the, the faith presence in our clubhouse. Caleb prayers, our guest here on the sports spectrum podcast, Chicago white Sox pitcher. You grew up in miles city, Montana. Tell us about growing up in Montana baseball. Was that always a part of your life when you were young growing up and wanting to become a, a big league athlete? Yeah, it was. Um, there's no high school baseball in Montana and hmm. or I guess I should start with my town. It's 8,000 people like in the County and people are like, Oh yeah, that's 8,000 in the County, but we're the biggest town in Eastern Montana. And, you know, that Montana's the fourth largest state in the country. So yeah. hopefully that tells you something. I graduated <laughs> with like 102 kids. Yeah. And, but we're the only high school in the county. And our closest classification school was 70 miles away. Wow. So, um, yeah. And so there's like really nothing out there. for So for sports, you have to travel a lot, even in state and even in conference and stuff. And I was very fortunate to get kicked out of my American Legion program when I was 12 years old. And um, at the time, it did not look like a blessing, but in the end, it was because in American Legion, 
when you sign up to play for them, you're forced to play with them all year. Hmm. You can't go out and play club teams. Like by the time I was a junior and senior in high school, I was invited to all these different showcases. Like I pitched in for the Astros when I was a senior, um, at a tryout, I pitched for the Mariners at a tryout when I was a junior and I was able to do all these different events because I wasn't tied down with American Legion. Hmm. And so I'm very thankful for that. My dad and my uncle started this team. It's called Outlaw Baseball Club. And we would travel all through South Dakota, North Dakota, Wyoming, Colorado. We'd go hit Idaho and Washington and Oregon and just play anybody we could. And we had sometimes we'd go for weekends with nine guys on the team competing against teams that had 20, 30 guys on their team. (laughs) And it was just a really cool experience. You know, I played with guys that we started this team when I was 10 years old and I played with these guys all the way up until I graduated. Right. So we got to be really close with these guys. So you got to tell the 12 year old kicked out of American Legion story. What happened there? So the, we started this team when I was 10 years old and we continued it for two years and the city league decided it was an all-star team and they believed in no all-star teams. Hmm. And it really wasn't. It was whoever wanted to sign up could go. It was just for kids that wanted to play more baseball. And so the next year we go sign up for the city league to play with our friends and stuff. And this group of adults that was running the league said, no, you can't sign up. And we're like, why? And they're like, well, you created an all-star team. And so we were kind of devastated as our kid, as, as kids, because we couldn't play with our friends that we go to school with that didn't love baseball, but kind of liked it and just wanted to, uh, just wanted to, uh, you know, play for fun. So we were stuck with our 12, 13, 10 kids, how many kids we wanted for the weekend or could take for the weekend. Yeah. And so it was kind of an unfortunate thing at the time, but in the end, it was a huge blessing. And you said there is no high school baseball in the state of Montana. So, you know, how do you get noticed? Like, I know you traveled and maybe that's how you went all these different cities and different states and played with the outlaw baseball club, but to not play high school baseball and yet still be drafted in an 11th round by the New York Yankees, something's got to go on in between there for them to see you, obviously. So how does yep. explain a little bit of that a little bit more scouts going to some of these travel games that you're a part of? How does that happen? Yeah. So, um, you, the way I had to do it was in eighth grade, I would go play on against teams like in Washington and Oregon and I'm left-handed pitcher that threw kind of hard. So it was like, all right, we'll keep an eye on him. And then freshman year, go back and do the same thing. All right, let's invite this kid to go with us for this next weekend tournament. So I'd go play for a different team for a weekend. Hmm. And then, you know, go play in California, go play in Arizona. And then I would go with a different team that was a little bit more prestigious. And scouts started following these more prestigious teams. And I kind of just started moving up. And during the spring, when school was still going on, I would play for Outlaw Baseball Club. And then by the time summer came around, my junior and senior year, I uh, played for Bobby Valentine for two years. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And so he was based out of Connecticut. That's where the team was based out of. And we would bus all the way from Connecticut to Atlanta, Georgia, play there for like two weeks. And we would bus all the way to San Diego and play all along the way. Wow. Played in tournaments in Virginia and Texas and in California, Arizona. And so it was just, it was very, it was a very cool experience. We had 30 guys on the team. And a lot of people, a lot of scouts, a lot of schools saw me during this time. And it was all because of this, because, you know, I'd go play for a team, get a little bit more exposure and then get invited to a more prestigious event. And then, 
go do well, succeed, and it would just keep building and building and snowball. Hmm. Tell me about faith in all of this. Is, is faith a part of your life growing up in a, in a Christian home, or is that something that kind of came about later in life? It, it's a huge part of my life. Um, growing up, we would walk to church as a family, and then uh, eventually we moved, and so we had to start driving to church, but it was always a part of my family. All throughout high school, I helped out at a, at a, at our church and did a, it was like a grade school, uh, I don't know how to describe it, like group after Wednesdays. And it was, it was a blast. It was called three and one. Okay. And you know, second graders, they love high school kids. You know, they, they think they're so cool. And so <laughs> it was really fun just going and being with those kids. And, and I felt like it was a good way to give back instead of doing like community service and stuff like that. I really wanted to help little kids grow in their faith instead of just hanging around with with adults, you know, on a week, on a weekday, just being able to hang out with a a high schooler. That's cool. And then how has that grown for you as you got older, as you, you're traveling a lot, right? So you're, you know, the opportunities, even in those summers to stay connected to God. And even as you've gotten into the big league or into professional baseball and now into the big leagues, that's kind of something that's, I imagine has been growing and growing for you. It, It has. Um, I went through a lot of hardships early on in my minor league career. I had Tommy John surgery and I got hit by a car and, um, and it was just really tough, but I always had God there. You know, I could always pray. I could always talk to him and I needed that because he was my rock. Like he could, I knew I always had him no matter what was going on, whatever problem was arising. If my elbow hurt post TJ, whatever was going on, I knew I could go to him and I had somebody to, that was always consistent and never changed. And there was times I was really frustrated and almost mad at God just because of the situations around me. Mm. And then there'd be times where he'd just kick me in the butt and be like, you're fine, get over it and just keep focused. And, you know, and so, and so it was really cool. Baseball's really helped me develop a, I feel like a great relationship with God. He said to Tommy John, back-to-back years you missed with Tommy John and I, I wanted to ask you about that but I didn't know about the hit by hitting getting hit by a car incident either so let's tell us what happened with that story first I guess and then we'll get into the Tommy John side of things but what happened when, when you got hit by a car all right so it's connected with the Tommy John okay I uh I got drafted in 2012 yeah and I blow out my elbow on Halloween in, in 2012 I was pitching in the Dominican Republic hmm. And I had surgery in November, so I missed all of 2013 because of Tommy John surgery. It takes you about 12 months if rehab goes smoothly. Right. So by the time I was done, it was November. And 2014 comes around. I've done my Tommy John rehab. I'm ready to go healthy for spring training. I'm getting my bag out of the bed of my, of my pickup, and a player's wife backs into me and squishes me against the car. Oh. Yeah, my elbow was perfectly healthy going into this. And I ended up having um, two bulging discs and one popped in my back because of this. And so I spent two months rehabbing my back. And then we assumed the elbow was healthy, so we did an abbreviated throwing program. And um, I started having some nerve issues in my elbow, got those taken care of. And by the time all of that had surpassed, it was the last two weeks of August and I'm supposed to pitch the last week of August in the rookie league in Florida. And, um, I'm conditioning running and I tear my quad running. Hmm. And this is all in 2014. And they're like, yeah. And they're like, all right, you've had a really rough year. Go home. 
So I'm driving home and um, I'm outside of Omaha and my gallbladder starts hurting, like my side starts hurting. So I pull into an ER in South Dakota and it's a Friday night. I'm dressed in like flip flops and a short and like a tank top. They're thinking I'm like a, like a drug addict or something. They didn't do anything for me. (laughs) They basically just gave me some Advil and then sent me home. And I'm like, okay. So I went to a doctor when I got to Montana and they're like, uh, yeah, your gallbladder's failing. So yeah, that all happened in the two years span. I didn't play just because of random events. And during that time, you know, I had God keeping me strong and, but there's also times where I was like, why is this all happening to me? Heck yeah. I'd be saying the same thing. Like, yeah. you know, Tommy John car accident, you said a torn quad. Is that what you said? Yeah. And, yeah, a torn quad. and a gall- did you have to have gallbladder surgery to have it removed? Yep. Yep. It's no longer in me. <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm not laughing at you. I'm just like, man, that's, that's about as, a, a big of a test as God can ever give a person. But looking back now, obviously it's been almost five years or a little more than five years. What have you learned from that time frame? Like going through the difficult times of all of that. I mean, there's so much to throw in in just one year span in 2014. What, what's the biggest lesson you learned from all that? Don't take anything for granted. You know, I had a ton of success, success through my high school career and then getting drafted by the Yankees. I had one bad game. It was my first game in pro ball. And then after that, I was absolutely dominant. So I had had a ton of success for about a run of six years hmm. and with very little failure. And so I feel like I was I felt like looking back, I was a little too cocky and it was kind of God's way of humbling me. Right. And I just remember pitching in my first spring training game in 2015. I uh, I cried coming off the mound. They told me I was throwing one inning. I was throwing in the fifth inning. And they gave me all the time in the world. They let me do whatever I need to to get on the mound and pitch. And I, I remember I completed the inning. I I think it was really clean. I don't remember base runners. I remember it going really quickly. And I just remember walking off the mound smiling and crying. Wow. Just because I, I had come back from all of that. And it just reminded me how much fun baseball is and since then I've never taken anything for granted in the game. And you came up through the system with the Yankees and that minor league time, by the way, and I tell people all this all the time. We have a lot of minor leaguers on this podcast. It's not glamorous. Not <laughs> I guess at all. The nicest way to say it. Can you just give a snapshot of like life as a minor league baseball player, especially in the lower levels, the low A, the A, the high A, double A, uh, it's, but even in triple, it's just not a glamorous life as you're trying to grind and achieve this dream. Is it not at all? Um, in the lower levels, it's PB and J's and seven guys, eight guys in a two bedroom apartment. Yeah. That's real life. It is. Yeah. It is. You're sleeping on an air mattress for 160 days a year. That's really good on your back. Um, right. Exactly. Yeah. A lot, a lot of guys don't have cars and, uh, yeah but you're expected to stay in shape and bring your best every day. But you do so, it because you love baseball, right? You do because you're definitely not doing it for the money Yeah. in the minor leagues. You're definitely not. And um, it, it's borderline criminal what goes on in the minor league system yeah. with every team. Um, I saw recently the Blue Jays opted to pay their minor leaguers more. And um, it's, it's absolutely crazy what – guys go through in the minor league system myself included yeah you know like the one year the yankees they uh they told me i needed to be down in florida um february 1st so i so i show up 
And in spring training, every team covers your living expenses. Right. And so I get down there and they're like, yeah, go find a place to live. And I'm like, what? Mm. And you're what, and 20 like, years old at this time? Yeah, I'm 21, 22. Sure. And, you know, I have no money. I'm a minor leaguer. I make no money. And in spring training, you don't get paid. See, that? I don't think people understand that. So you don't get no. paid at all in spring training. You don't get paid at all. Mm. They give you, it's about 15 bucks a day for food. And they provide you with a hotel. Well, I get down there and they're like, yeah, we're not going to provide you with a hotel until minor league camp starts, which is March 1st. Mm. So you got a whole and month to figure out how the heck you're going to live every day. Exactly. So I ended up putting it on my credit card. My parents helped me out a ton. And, you know, and just stuff like that. Teams, some teams don't take care of guys. Man, that's tough, too, when you realize that at minor league life is not great. But for you, and you were in the minors a year ago, and then you get traded from the Yankees, the team that you had been a part of for your basically your whole pro career, to the White Sox. And then you eventually make it to the major league. So there's, there's, there's the lows and the highs, if you will, the turnover of being traded and then the opportunity to make it to the majors. So let's dive into that a little bit. Tell me about being traded and what that experience was like just going to a different team, a team that you hadn't been a part of before. So first thought was uh, just kind of panic, like what do I do now? And then second thought is you're kind of lost. You're looking around the clubhouse, and I'm trying to see who else got traded. Yeah, Nobody else is packing up. And, um, you know, it was just kind of crazy because then you realize, all right, you're leaving the only thing you've known in professional baseball, and that was the Yankees at the time. Yeah. I'm leaving all of my friends that I've played seven years with. And, um, and so it, then like fear sets in and then you kind of are able to take a step back and realize new opportunity you're given. And I got told a really long time ago that you're never traded away. You're always traded for. Okay. And I, I had remembered that at that time. And I'm like, the White Sox traded for me. The Yankees didn't trade, trade me away. Right, right. And that kind of just changed his perspective. And then I started looking at the White Sox and I started realizing what they were doing. They were rebuilding. And I got really excited because they, uh, they had these veteran guys that they were trying to get rid of. And they, were, they had these young group of guys that they were trying to build around. And it was really cool because once I got a call from the White Sox and said I've been traded, um, they, to- they were very upfront with me. They told me what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were going to send me to AAA, and I was basically trying out for the major league roster in AAA for a month until mm-hmm. the rosters expanded in September. They told me that you know you may get called up if you do really well. If you do okay, we may keep you in the off season, and if you don't do well, we might let you go. I'm like, okay. At least they you told know, you cool. everything, right? <laughs> yeah, they were very upfront with me, very transparent. It was really cool to see, and that was something I never got with the Yankees was that level of transparency, mm-hmm. and. So it was very welcoming. And then I got, I got into the clubhouse with uh, Charlotte, and everybody welcomed me with open arms. Guys that eventually I would find out I'm competing with for the same job. And um, it was a really cool vibe just to, just to be there, and the guys welcomed me. And so it was really cool getting traded. It's, it's something I won't forget and something I'm very thankful for. That's the weird thing about baseball, too, especially in the minor leagues, that those guys are your friends and you're building relationships. And I'm sure even from a faith perspective, you're finding brothers in Christ that you can do life with and 
and yes. uh, and and share you know experiences with. But in the same way, you're comp- it's a very cutthroat world too because you're trying to get to a place that they're also trying to get to, and it might come down to you and that other person, right? Yeah, it is, and it's one thing I've seen in the difference of organizations is the Yankees believe that you should almost not be friends with the guys you're competing with on the same team. Yeah. And then the White Sox, they want you, they want you to make your teammates better. And then they want, they expect you to be better than your teammates. Right. So, you know, we had six left-handed pitchers in the camp competing for two spots in the bullpen. All, all six of us were friends. And when we saw something going on with the other five guys, all of us went to them and told them what was going on. You know, instead of where with the Yankees, like when that would happen, you just kind of they expected you almost to be excited because the guy wasn't wasn't succeeding. And it was almost a toxic environment with the Yankees. But then getting with the White Sox, it was fantastic because the guys I was competing with were also the same guys I was going to war with against the other teams. You know, I knew they had I had my back and it was really cool. Like you said, like. One of the guys I really competed with, it was between me and him for the last lefty roster spot. We're amazing friends. We we go to chapel together. We we do Bible studies together. And, you know, it was really I was really sad when he got sent down. But it was also part of the business. But I didn't want him to because we're we're such close friends. And but we're also competing for that same spot. Yeah, that makes sense. Let me ask you, Caleb, about getting that call. September 2nd, 2018, you made your Major League Baseball debut. Take us to that moment, getting the call and then the opportunity to walk on a big league mound and pitch and to finally kind of fulfill that dream that you had probably been dreaming about since you were 9 or 10 years old. Yeah, so it was three days before I got called up. I'm pitching against uh, the Rays, farm system team in AAA. And one of their top prospects, Austin Meadows, having a fantastic night. He's four for four with three home runs. And um, I come in in the ninth because I hadn't pitched in two or three days. They wanted to get me some work, and we're losing. And he's the first hitter I face. Two-one count. I drill him in the hand. I I immediately get tossed from the game. Right. I told the umpire that that's a terrible call. Like, I got to be able to pitch inside. You know, a guy's been hot. I got to make him uncomfortable. Right. And the umpire told me I don't have good enough command to go inside so the insult i i told him that's very inaccurate and so i started yelling at him and it's right in line with the, with uh durham bulls dugout <laughs> yeah. so on camera it looks like i'm yelling at their dugout bench is clear and i i didn't do it on purpose i just wanted to go in buy a strike up and in and so we all meet at the home plate both teams have a discussion and you know, I'm I'm just like, this is absolutely dumb. I got tossed for trying to pitch. <laughs> and so in this pile of guys, I end up next to the guy that I hit. And I'm like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, you just got me in the hand. I'm going to be fine. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I wasn't trying to hit you. He's like, I didn't think you were. Were you trying to go up and in? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, that's smart. I was sitting on a slider away. So he was kind of diving over the plate anyways. And so I get suspended for two games because of this. The league's like, yeah, that's uncalled for. You hit the guy on purpose and – and in the minor leagues, you can't appeal. There's no union. There's no representation. Teams have no rights. Mm. It's all up to the minor league commissioner. If he says it's intentional, you're suspended. You get fined. And so 
I'm traveling with the team. I can't be on the roster. I'm, I can't even actually be at the field technically, but I can ride the bus to go to the, the places and stuff. And we get to, uh, the Braves team outside of Atlanta and, uh, manager calls me in an office and he's like, Hey, I just want to let you know your suspension's been lifted. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm pitching tonight. He's like, no. And I'm like, why not now? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, well, you're going to Chicago. And I'm like, Oh, and <laughs> so he's, he tells me that. And I, I call my wife, I call my family. They're all excited. They're all there the next day. So I fly to Chicago first game. I don't pitch. It's against the Red Sox. It's game two or game four of a three game series, which is my second day in the big leagues. I get a pitch it's like a seven, nothing ball game. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, my first hitter, I throw a ball to, and then I get a ground ball. And, and you know, at that point I just relaxed. It was kind of like, oh, I can do this. This is no different. Punch yeah. the next two guys out and everybody was really happy. It was just, it was a really cool moment for me just running out onto the major league field for the first time. And a lot of me couldn't believe I was there. The, the, the fight that you got into, I guess it's not a fight, but the, the suspension, I guess, take me into the moments like in your brain, because I always say, you know, there's an outward uh, perception from people like, oh, he's a Christian. He can't get in a fight or he can't do this. And yet there's a competitive side that sort of unleashes in all of us. I don't care what you believe or where you're from and trying to navigate. Do you even think in that moment, like, is there an inner voice speaking to you like, calm down here, Caleb, calm down. Or sometimes, which just happens to all of us, do you just kind of lose all perspective for a moment in, 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 incident i guess like that yeah there are times where guys that i know and myself included you do lose all perspective and yeah you you become an animal and you just i don't know you're, <laughs> you're just fueled by pure rage and then there's other times like the moment i got suspended i was just kind of like you know i was outside of my body it was just kind of like this is not worth it and right. no punches were thrown in that moment and anything like that and so like i didn't instigate anything right. but yeah there is there is sometimes a voice where it's just like, it's going to be okay. And it, it does happen. If, if I succeed all the time, I'm the greatest player ever. And the game of baseball is going to be boring. Yeah. That's, a, know, that's that, the hard thing too. Cause baseball is such a up and down highs and lows, good days, bad days, kind of bounce back from it type of scenario. And in many ways, our faith is like that too. Is that the is, case for you? It is. It is. You know, you have to find a way to keep yourself grounded and keep yourself level. Like, you know, I got called up. And I'm riding really high. I pitched great against the who would later be the world champion Red Sox. Yeah. Two days later, I pitched against the Detroit Tigers, who lost almost 100 games last year. They yeah. were not very good, as long as well as ourselves. Right. And I got I pitched terrible. I threw a third of an inning, gave up four runs. Right. And so in a matter of three days, I went from the ultimate high to almost the ultimate low, getting my butt kicked in the major leagues. And, you know, it's just little moments like that where you have to learn, like, you can't let those things affect you. Mm. And, like, two weeks later, I'm pitching in Cleveland, and I ended up leaving the bases loaded. Not because I didn't do my job. I did my job. It was just external factors didn't, didn't pan out. Right. And it was just one of those moments where I got beat and it was outside of my control. And 
I was mad because I let my team down. But then it was just kind of like, okay, we play 162 for a reason. You got to move on. Yeah. And in many ways, that's the same with our faith, right? Like it's, it it's is. okay. You have a bad day. Okay. God's not moving. He's still there on the throne. And okay. Today we'll try better than, than yesterday. Knowing that his, his grace is still sufficient, right? It is. Yeah. You know, you, you develop a routine. Like every day I, I wake up, I use the U version app because I love their, uh, their little plans. I forget oh, yeah. what they call them now. Yeah, but, it's called, I think it's just called the Bible app, to be honest with you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I, I do the plans. I do them with my wife. Um, and just every morning, you know, some of them take a half hour. Some of them take five, ten minutes. And, you know, that's just part of my daily routine. You know, I wake up and first thing I grab is my phone. And it's not to go check Instagram or Twitter or see if my wife texts or anything like that. It's just to go open up my Bible app yeah, and do the plan and you know, when you're able to set a routine like that, especially as an athlete setting a routine, you find you find yourself being able to be grounded more that you, those highs and lows don't affect you as much. Mm. And you can just keep a, a constant level focus that has no spikes. So then moments don't get bigger than they are or they don't get smaller than they are either. We have a couple more questions here with Caleb Frere on the podcast you mentioned your wife. So you just got married. Is it still weird to say that by the way, you just got married December, 2018. Uh, how's that been going? And what's a lesson or two, maybe even in just the few months that you've been married that, uh, that the Lord has taught you in this life of marriage. Communication is key. You have to tell your wife everything in a good way. Um, she expects to know everything and, um, it's just really cool being able to connect with someone on that deep of a level. You know, we're at the point now, the honeymoon phase is over. You know, we can tell each other just bluntly what we feel. And we know that we're still going to love each other at, at the end of it. And it's just awesome to know that no matter what happens, it's just kind of like, God, I always have someone in my corner like that. And yeah, it's, it's an incredible feeling being married. It doesn't feel weird anymore to save my wife. <laughs> it did the first couple weeks, but um, now it doesn't feel weird at all. It's really cool. How, um, how has it been for your faith? I wonder, because the way that we connected was through your wife's dad, who is a pastor yep. in Colorado and, and listens to the podcast and reached out and said, you ought to have Caleb on. And of course, every proud father or father-in-law would want their kid to be, you know, heard on different interviews. But, you know, as I did my research, but Obviously, we wanted to have you on, but just knowing sort of for you being married to a pastor's kid and just having that sort of spiritual connection, I guess, even more. I'm not saying your dad or mom aren't connected, but like he's a pastor. It's a little bit different. It is, you know, and he's <laughs> he's cool. He's got uh, various tips and techniques on how to connect more with God. And then, That's good. you know, like he'll send me a Bible verse and just like a little mini devotion every once in a while and just like you know just kind of from where where he sees i'm at from a distance and it's really cool just you know and um it's really good for my wife because she's able to feel really connected to god even when i'm not there all the time you know yeah. she, she still has someone to connect to and we do the best we can you know my wife can't travel with me all all year right um she's a teacher and so she's in school right now. What does um, she teach? Fifth grade, okay. science and social studies and math. And where is that? In, in, in what city or what state? Uh, Parker, Colorado. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
So she she's is. doing that and you're trying to pursue this career. Has that been a burden on your marriage? Is that difficult? Or you guys kind of knew what you were going, getting into going into it? Uh, we knew what we were going into. Um, she started teaching right when we started dating. And um, I was still playing and I still am. But so we we kind of knew what to expect. Like, it's just cool, though. It makes the off seasons a lot easier because now we're married. We can live together. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have to travel from Montana all the way down to Colorado, which was about eight hours to just see her on a weekend. Mm. And so even during the off season, we still did long distance and that would get frustrating at times. And and um, but now it's we don't have an issue and it's really helped us get closer because, you know, we can't just uh like it makes our time together more special. Right. We can't just like waste days because we know like, oh yeah, I'll just see him tomorrow. Like when she comes to town, you know, I drop everything. It's it's about her. And when I'm there, she does the same thing. And it's really cool just being married to someone like her that I just love her. That's good. That's good. Caleb, last question here. This has been great. Thanks for your time and, and being generous here as the season gets kicking off. What is God teaching you right now? What's your... What's the greatest lesson the Lord is is teaching you in this season of life? We talked a little bit about not taking days for granted. We even talked about the lesson that you're learning in marriage as far as communication goes. But overarching, I think seasons of life, everybody has a different lesson that they're learning from the Lord at different points of their journey. And here you are making the big league club, getting ready to go pitch for the White Sox in a few days as the 2019 season kicks off. What's what's God teaching you right now? Resilience. You know, there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of expectations on me this year. And I, I mean, I am a baseball player. I am going to fail from time to time. And that's, that's something that I will try my best to prevent, but it will happen at some point. And the lesson I need to learn this year is to be resilient when I do fail. And when I do succeed, I need to be resilient and not let those moments get too high or too low. He is Caleb Freyer from the Chicago White Sox being a pitcher, getting ready for the 2019 season. Caleb, this has been great. Thanks for being open and honest and and coming on the podcast. And hopefully we'll catch up with you again throughout the season and and maybe even get to shake your hand in person sometime in the offseason. So thanks for being here on the podcast. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Jason, for having me on. I appreciate it. Really good stuff there from Caleb Frere from the Chicago White Sox. Thanks to Caleb for joining us here on the podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Caleb underscore Frere. It's F-R-A-R-E, C-A-L-E-B underscore F-R-A-R-E, Caleb Frere. Give him a follow on Twitter. Let him know that you heard this interview. It was a really good interview. Caleb was was a good storyteller, and that's always what makes podcasts the – the best really are the storytelling of the people that we interview. And Caleb had lots of good stories there and some ones that kind of make you kind of just shake your head, especially with what that minor league grind is like and what he was going through as a minor league player and what all minor league players go through. Uh, so I appreciate Caleb for being honest, for being transparent in the interview and uh, I appreciate his willingness to come on the show. So let's root for Caleb this year. Let's watch him. Let's see how he does. And, and hopefully he'll have a great season with Chicago, a nice breakout season in his first full year in the big leagues and help the White Sox to as much success as they can achieve. So many thanks to Caleb for joining us here on the podcast. Many thanks to Compassion International for sponsoring this podcast. $38 a month. 
is all it takes for you to release a child from poverty. Food, education, medical care, vocational training, all done in the name of Jesus. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum and sponsor a child for $38 a month and release them from poverty today. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Have a great rest of your day.